Please join with me in our prayer of illumination. O God, you know us better than we know ourselves. As the scriptures are read, we will listen for your voice. By your spirit, lead us out of our fears and into the knowledge of your love and the truth of your good news. Through Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of our souls, amen. The scripture reading from the Old Testament this morning is from Lamentations, starting with the first chapter, verses 1 through 6, and then moving over to the third chapter, verses 19 through 26. And if you're following in the Pew Bibles, we begin on page 748, then to 751 and 752. Here now, the word from Lamentations. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She was great among the nations. She that was a princess among the provinces has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Her foes have become the masters. Her enemies prosper, because the Lord has made her suffer for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From her daughter, Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. From Lamentations chapter 3. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly 
for the salvation of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the letter to the Ephesians, uh, the second chapter, verses 11 through 22. So listen now for the word of God to the church. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So lately, you might have noticed with me that there has been a great resurgence in interest in Mr. Rogers. The beloved television host who helped raise several generations of American children, this one in particular. And a touching documentary came out earlier this year. And a big budget movie starring uh, Tom Hanks is currently in production. And all of this attention is mostly due, I think, to the fact that his iconic show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, turned 50 years old earlier this year. But I also think that we may just be realizing how much we need his message these days. In a world that has grown so unkind, so violent, so acerbic, so immoral, we are drawn to this man who consistently preached and embodied a kinder, simpler, more gentle way to live. As I read and studied over this passage that speaks so powerfully about ending hostility and breaking down the walls that separate us, I dug around a little bit and I was reminded that the very first episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood dealt with these exact same issues. 
in the neighborhood of make-believe, the imaginary puppet world where Fred Rogers would do much of his most difficult teaching. The neighborhood was being rocked with change. Lady Elaine, you remember that puppet? She was the one that had kind of the big red nose and was by far the scariest looking of, of any of them. She magically moved everything around. So the Eiffel Tower and the King's Castle and that museum go round and Daniel Tiger's clock and that tree where two of the central characters live, all of it was moved around and jumbled up. And Lady Elaine did that and then promptly skipped town, probably because she knew that she had angered and confused her neighbors. So the second episode, the very second episode of the entire series was appropriately titled, King Friday Challenges Change. He declares a war on change. Clearly thrown by the shifting sands of his neighborhood, the king decides that he will build a wall around the castle to keep any further changes from happening. And in the subsequent episodes of that week, he would wear a little combat helmet uh, over his crown, and he would equip other characters who were assigned guard duty a little helmet as well. And all of this, I think, was Fred Rogers' brilliant way of addressing the real-world situations that young viewers were seeing every day on TV in 1968. You can imagine what those were, from the Vietnam War that was coming into homes every day on TV, to civil rights demonstrations, to um, a particularly acrimonious presidential race. Change seemed to be everywhere, and much of it was violent, and much of it was scary, both to adults and to children. And even so, Rogers took a very calm and balanced look at change in general. X the Owl was another one of those puppets. He adopted a very optimistic viewpoint. He said that change was like, and these are his words, a treasure hunt. Kind of like you were searching for good things that were just waiting to be discovered or found around the next bend. But on the other hand, his next door neighbor, Henrietta Pussycat, was frightened beyond belief by the change. She said she was just too meek and too shy to be able to see anything good in all these changes in the neighborhood. Now, I think it's important to note that all of these puppets that I've mentioned were voiced by Fred Rogers himself. X the Owl, the inquisitive learner who saw change as a game. Henrietta, the soft-spoken kitten who felt helpless and vulnerable in the world. And King Friday the 13th the regal monarch who set out to build a wall to stop the onslaught of change, all of them represented aspects of the spirit of Fred Rogers. Just as I suspect that all of these characters in their own ways represent hopes and fears that you and I find in ourselves. In the church of Ephesus, people were building the same kinds of walls. Things were changing very, very rapidly. Faithful Jews whose spiritual identity depended on strict adherence to religious laws and cultic practices were now being told that those old rules didn't really matter very much. 
new people were moving into their religious neighborhood. Around here, people might say they were from off. (laughs) These Gentiles from off, coming into God's house from other nations, they knew and cared very little about things like kosher dietary restrictions, let alone circumcision. And debates in this new and changing community were percolating around topics like marriage or whether it was okay to eat meat that was sacrificed to idols or whether it was good or bad to speak in tongues in worship services. And all of these debates were pushing people in the congregation into camps and clear lines were forming between these camps. At the same time, Jewish Christians who had been welcome in the synagogue for years after Christ's death were now finding those doors closed to them. The Roman-Jewish War of 70 CE had left Jerusalem in ruins, and relations between the Jewish synagogue and the Christian church began to fray very, very quickly in the aftermath of that war. And belief in Jesus as the Messiah now meant expulsion from the Jewish community. And with a dynamic that I think resonates very strongly with our modern experience, people were saying more and more frequently, if you do not agree with me, I cannot be in relationship with you. Rapid change created anxiety, anxiety breeds fear, and fear can make people build walls, both emotional walls and physical walls. And then the believers in Ephesus were given this radical word, that in Christ those people on the other side of those walls were being brought near. My guess is that they would have probably been fine for those people to kind of stay far off. But Christ had something very different in mind and has something very different in mind. Within the family of God, created by Christ, there does not seem to be room for these kinds of walls. In the same way that the fall of Jericho opened the way into the promised land, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is and was the trumpet blast that brings the walls that divide us a-tumbling down. In Christ, a new and unified humanity replaces the old divided one, the hostility between people is banished, and the body of Christ becomes a living unity of lasting peace and harmony. He came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, the scripture says, and he came and proclaimed peace to you who were near. So whether you are near or far, a new peace has come upon you in Christ. And the result, the letter says, is that you are no longer aliens and strangers. But you are citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. Now, this vision of harmony, I expect, seemed very, very far away to the people of Ephesus just as it seems far away to us now. There are still so many walls between us today. Political walls, 
emotional walls, spiritual walls. And I would say that many of these walls seem to be growing and not shrinking. Walls between men and women that were very, very visible this past week. Walls between LGBT people and straight people, between rich and poor, Democrat and Republican, black and white. And some of these walls can still be seen and touched, like the walls between the United States and Mexico, or between Israel and Palestinian territory, or even between Catholic and Protestant neighborhoods in Northern Ireland. After all these years, those religious walls are still there. But this text reminds us that dividing walls do not seem to be what God wants for the church or for the world. The house that God is building for the body of Christ does not seem to have walls. It's a household built on the foundation of apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone or really capstone And as Paul explains in 1 Corinthians, all of us together are God's temple. And that temple is always under construction. Or at least in active renovation. And that means that each of us is being built up individually and corporately as the community of faith into a dwelling place for God. And the text suggests that if construction and renovation is going well, we should be seeing in ourselves and in our communities a steady dismantling of hostility and those walls that keep us separated from one another. By the end of the first week of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it was in episode 5, which aired on Friday, February 23rd, 1968, King Friday the 13th officially ended the war on change. The people of his kingdom finally found a way to get his attention, and they did it with a collection of helium balloons that they floated over the wall and down into the castle. Each balloon had a string tied to it, and each string at the end had a little sign. And that sign expressed one aspect of hope that the people had for their kingdom. So one said love, another said peace, another said it called for the end of hostility, another said just peaceful coexistence. Each balloon is released with the hope that it will help to bring the dividing wall down and the people succeed in convincing the king. And with joy, the puppets all take part and all help in taking down the barbed wire And dismantling the wall. We, of course, do not live in the neighborhood of make-believe. And as we look over the world we live in today, we still have reason to be fearful and timid. And we are still erecting walls, both in our spirits and on our lands. And not all of those walls are bad. But I do hope that there is still a part of us, a still small voice inside that speaks up for the hope of a world without walls and sees our journey through this life with people near and far as something of a treasure hunt.
that still small voice is the one that we lift up today around this table as we join our voices with those of millions of Christians around the world and share a common meal with people who are far off and not so far off. And as we dine around separate tables, we will proclaim together the hope and assurance of the one table, that the walls dividing God's people will be broken down, that the hostility between us will cease, and that we will truly become one humanity created and ordered by God, a humanity in which we are all equal, all welcome in love, and that in this humanity, peace will be offered to those who are far off and offered to those who are near, and that in that peace, we will finally understand and embrace the truth that we are no longer strangers and aliens from one another, but citizens together with the saints and members of the household of God. This is the temple that God is building in and around us. And it is a temple of peace with no walls. Thanks be to God. Amen.